As the Rangers struggle to find some consistency, they take a trip out west to face some aquatic foes and old Stanley Cup nemesis. We try and look for some answers in how the Rangers can win some games. Molly and I dive into early season overreactions at the backup goalie spot and the surging hot Metro division. Our Hall of Famer Larry Brooks stops by to address the Blue Shirts' power play struggles and Ryan Reeves' mysterious role. We also answer your mailbag questions on some key roster decisions. All of that and more is coming up next on Up in the Blue Seats from the New York Post. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Ladies and gentlemen, we ask that you direct your attention center ice for a special presentation welcome back to up in the blue seats i'm your host andrew hartz filling in for the under the weather jake brown but he uh he'll be back soon so don't worry the podfather will soon return here on the podcast but i am very very happy to be joined by the great molly walker and we'll also have the hockey hall of famer larry brooks on a little bit later in the show today but we're going to kick things off with uh, just looking at the Rangers as a whole currently. I mean, it feels like we're riding a roller coaster here, Molly. I mean, there's just there's a couple good games. There's a couple bad games. We're just going up and down. And now the Rangers are going back out to the West Coast for another road trip. It's struggling for me to watch this Ranger team because there's there's nights where Igor's on and and the Rangers are shooting the puck and, and they look great. And then other nights, it's just it's completely off. And, you know, the, the struggle to find consistency is kind of driving me bonkers a little bit. So I'm just curious, what are you feeling right now? How's how's the state of the team? What's what are you seeing? You know, there's definitely been a lot of whiplash from game to game. I completely agree with that. And I think that those games where you did mention that when Igor is on high shot volume and then they're coming out with losses. So I know that the team didn't imagine the season starting off this way. Um, and I think that there's a level of concern a little, a little bit, not anything too crazy, but I think everybody is well aware that this is not how they wanted this season to go. But it's really difficult mentally when you're going from game to game when you do feel like you've done enough to win, but you're not coming out with the wins. And I think that too often after games, we are talking to these players and talking to head coach Gerard Gallant, and they are saying that they feel like they did enough to win. And that's fine. And they can feel that way. But I feel like we are going to get to a certain point in the season where that kind of answer isn't going to be good enough anymore because they need to win in order to accomplish what they ultimately want to accomplish. And that's built upon last season's run to the Eastern Conference Finals. So I think that the way that the great Larry Brooks put it, it's getting late early. But I think that there's a level of awareness in the locker room about that. And I think that there are a lot of moving parts that need to be cleaned up and for the Rangers to start putting things together that are their strengths, such as their power play and Igor Shostakhin being his elite self. But those things, you know, aren't just going to come there. It's got to take everybody pulling 
pulling the same way. And uh, it hasn't always been that way each and every night. But I definitely will say that there is a level of concern in the locker room. And I think that maybe early on when the losses started to pile up, there wasn't. But at this point in the season, going into this uh, four city West Coast trip, um, there definitely is an awareness that things need to change. Well, it's it's striking just because the fact, I mean, they come off that rough rough game against the Islanders where they just blew a lead in, in the third, just absolutely killer. And then you come back and then, you know, you go, you absolutely dismantle Detroit, which was, I mean, that game in and of itself, another complete roller coaster in a good way, though. It all ended fine. But then you go to Nashville and then you lose another close one there and then you come back home. And mind you, that win against the Coyotes was so big in my mind, at least it helped fortify where this team is trying to go, it feels like. And, you know, again, it's like you mentioned, if, if you have the good power play running, you have Igor on and he looks good. That's very important. But now again, you're heading out to the West Coast. You got the Kraken, the Sharks, the Kings, the Ducks. It's not necessarily an easy trip. I mean, you know, there's there's a couple games there where you look at you go, all right, that should be a W. That should be a W. Coin flip here or there. What exactly are the players, I guess, now currently doing just to try to keep that mental mindset of, you know, staying positive and, you know, trying to turn the ship around, especially after a long trip going out west? I think that they know what their strengths are. They know what makes them good. And the power play is certainly one of them. And that hasn't always looked as cohesive. And even when it is, if the puck's not going in the back of the net, then it's not doing its job. Um, so we def- we get into this later with, with Larry Brooks about how Gerard Gallant should probably start managing the ice time for the two power play units a little bit differently. Um, if that first power play unit isn't coming on and getting it done in the 45, 50 seconds, it's it's time to get some fresh legs out there. You know, if they're not scoring immediately, then it's probably not going to come if you wait the minute and a half, you know, until the very end and then you give the second unit the scraps and and not enough time to get anything going. So I think that there should be some different ways of managing the team going forward including minutes overall throughout the entire lineup. I mean, I'll tell you. I think it was after the Nashville game. <sighs> Adam Fox looked like he was about to fall over when I saw him walk out of the locker room. His face was red. And that is no knock on Adam Fox. Like Adam Fox has probably been the Rangers best, best player this entire start to the season. But we saw it happen last year. The load management, it just, it needs to be a little bit better. You cannot burn out Adam Fox two months into the season. It's just a recipe for disaster. But I also, you know, to play devil's advocate, I'd want Adam Fox on the ice at all. I'd play him 30 minutes a game too as well. But that's just not a reality that the Rangers can settle into. It's going to be detrimental if they keep going at this rate. And obviously we've talked so much about how the Rangers are a top heavy lineup and that's just how they're built. But I think that there needs to be a little bit better managing going forward. And I think that the players, like I said, just need to be pulling in the, in the same direction. And that hasn't always been the case. And the Miller-Truba pair has has had its struggles. And that's actually uh, an area that I'm planning on looking at um, today at today's practice in Seattle. So um, there's a lot to unpack here, but it's, it's not all bad. And I think this is a good segue into, into our next thing and the overreactions because it's not all bad. It's, it's really not. <laughs> it's not, it's not. And, and, and honestly, as a Ranger fan, like that's what you have to keep telling yourself. It's not that bad. It's still early in the season and there's still a lot of time before, you know, things can turn around and whatnot. I mean, you saw what the Rangers did at the deadline last year and that kind of rejuvenated them. So again, it's still early. 
Speaking about Adam Fox, just worth noting, though, third star of the week for the NHL. So, again, it's like you said, he's putting his body out there. He's doing his thing. And, you know, it's it's tough to knock his effort out there. So with that said, yeah, I wrote down a couple of things that I keep hearing from Rangers Twitter. And, and I'm sure you hear it from all your uh, Ranger followers as well, too. So I'm kind of curious about your reaction on some of these early season overreactions. So I'll throw a couple at you. Let me know what you think. So the first one I keep hearing is that the Rangers need a better backup goalie than Halak. I mean, I've I've been on the Halak train since they signed him. I completely disagree with that. And I actually, we got a subtext question from somebody asking about from a financial standpoint if the Rangers should bring up Louis Domingue. The Rangers did not sign Halak to put him in Hartford. That's just not what was on the agenda. That's not something that they're going to do. And aside from the 5-1 to loss to Columbus in his second start to the season yeah he's had some that I mean that game was bad he had he had a bad game and he acknowledged it but you know I I still think that he's an adequate backup for lack of a better for better words I I think that you know he's a veteran he knows how to handle this kind of stretch I mean it's not the first time that he's had a, a string of losses together as a as a guy who's been in this league for as long as he has and I think that that's also a mental aspect that's really important for a backup goaltender and I think it's just you know I mean he had a tough go in Nashville I mean that was a great game all around two goals I mean, you, you can't fault the guy it was a physical game everybody's in his business in the crease and that's it, a tough game to to get through I don't think that that game was his fault. Aside from the Columbus game, I really don't think any of the games have been Halak's fault. I think that the ones that he's lost, the Rangers defense hasn't been as sharp in front of him. Um, so I think that's a complete overreaction. And uh, I no no doubt Louis Domingue is also you know a great third stringer. And I think that you know if an injury were to arise, it would be great to have a guy like Louis Domingue waiting in the wings as well. But where it currently stands, Halak is is the number two. And I don't think that the Rangers are in the market for another goalie at this moment in time. There's been some unfortunate games. That's 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 the way that I would put it. I mean, it's just, you know, bad luck. That's and, and honestly, that's that, yeah. that's how it goes sometimes. Just, just a matter yeah. of the way that the puck bounces. So, all right. Another overreaction, early season overreaction. The Rangers current goal differential is a reason for concern. And mind you, the goal differential right now is plus four. So obviously, I mean, it, it means a lot of things. It means that they've allowed a lot of goals, but they're also not shooting as many goals as they, they should. So again, overreaction. I wouldn't say this is much of, of an overreaction as the first one. I think I would phrase this one a little bit differently. I don't think the Rangers are playing well enough with leads. Mind you, they haven't had a, had a lot of time with leads as well. So I think that this is also something, I mean, after after the Arizona game, I basically said like last season's Rangers team had their fingerprints all over this one. And I feel like that's been a bit of a theme in the in the in the recent games. We get into this with Larry, too. Like it's not the analytics don't always tell the whole story. You know, like you could look at battle and analytics, you could look at good analytics and the wins and losses, and they just don't correlate. But I just think that the Rangers' biggest problem in this category would be playing with leads. I think they need to be more cognizant of that and lock down a little bit more. And sometimes they can get a little bit flimsy, get a little bit loose when they are sitting on a two-goal, three-goal lead. And, you know, those are the most dangerous leads in hockey, as everybody knows. So I think that they – but that was also a problem with last season's team. So I think that those types of habits, the last thing the Rangers want to do is revert 
into them. So I think that the number one thing would be to just playing better with leads. So I don't think that's that big of an overreaction. I And I think that's the little bit of a cause for concern in the Rangers locker room. I think that's something that they're all aware of. See many of three goal leads disappear in thin air during my days, as I'm sure you have too, Molly. So we'll do one more. The rest of the Metro has gotten better while the Rangers have gotten worse. Overreaction? Um, I think it's too early to say whether the Rangers have gotten worse um, because I still think there are things that need to be ironed out and could be ironed out with time, such as Vincent Trocek with Artemi Panarin and the line combinations in general. I think that we've seen a lot of movement. The fact that Vitaly Krasov hasn't been able to be healthy has also played into that fact as well. There hasn't just been a lot of continuity with the lineup. So I think it's still too early to say that the Rangers have gotten worse, but it is not too early to say the rest of the Metro has gotten better. That is a statement that I agree with. And that is also something that I feel like the team is cognizant of and uh, is, is something to consider as they, as they keep going forward here, because it's, it is true. The teams around them have gotten better and there are teams that are off to some crazy starts. I mean, the Bruins for crying out loud, like Jesus Christ, like they're, 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 they're going to be a problem. <laughs> a, that is a problem team right there for everybody in the national hockey league. So it's a, it's a half and half for that one right there. I think part of it is true. And the other half, I'd say it's still too early to say. Definitely agree. I mean, it's wild just to see what New Jersey's doing. Mm-hmm. I know the Isles are playing well. Carolina, of course, they're playing well. And then, of course, you know, you can't ever you know, count out Washington. You can't count out Pittsburgh. So it's just it's tough to kind of see exactly, you know, how the Rangers compare to these other teams, which are they overperforming or are they just playing to their ability, which they very well could be. So I guess we'll see. Time will I think tell. they're underperforming. I think they're underperforming to their capabilities because we've all seen, I mean, a majority of this team, aside from the trade deadline acquisitions, it's the same nuts and bolts of last season's team. Like the framework is still there. It hasn't changed. So I think that it's it's a little bit of a, of a case of underperforming, I think. Very well could be. Hopefully that's the case, because at that point, then they would perform a little bit better. Let's move on to a little uh, subtext questions. You got a bunch of questions, and um, I know you've done a great job. And thank you to the listeners for sending these, or your, your readers for sending these over whatnot. So we'll get into these before we get to the great Larry Brooks in a little bit. First subtext question comes from Liam Murphy and John Romano. Roster decisions, cap crunch, who is the odd player out? We get into this a little bit with Larry later on, but it's looking like it's coming down to Gautier, Reeves, or Carpenter. And each one of them has a case for why they should remain on the roster. You got Gautier, who seems to be finding his stride here. And I've been saying it for a while, Lord help everybody else, once he puts it together consistently, he could really be just I, I don't want to go as far to say an X factor, but a, an unexpected addition and contributing addition to the bottom six of this Rangers team, which would be huge and really beneficial for them. On the other hand, if he doesn't reach that upside or fulfill that upside, then he might be the odd one out here. Ryan Carpenter, he's a center. That's the that's the big thing that he has going in his corner. He's been decent on pretty good on face-offs, I'd say. Not even just decent. He's been pretty good on face-offs. And because he's a center, um, the Rangers are obviously thin at that position. They really only have Barkley Goudreau, who can do wing and center. 
And we all see that Gerard Gallant loves to plug him in the top six amid injury and when he wants a spark. So that really leaves the only other person on the entire roster that could fill that fourth line center role is Carpenter. So for those reasons, it also might be difficult to send him down. And then, of course, we have Ryan Reeves, who brings his own separate set of benefits to the Rangers, just his presence on the ice, the physicality that he brings I thought he was pretty good in the Nashville game the fight you know he was into it he was he led the team in hits and they needed him in that kind of game against the Nashville Predators but the other half of it is is he struggles to keep up with the play sometimes and he doesn't really drive the four check like how the fourth line wants to be playing and that's kind of something that Julian Gauthier does Julian Gauthier has brought a lot of speed to the bottom six which is something that they needed. So I think that the Rangers have a lot of things to consider and a lot of questions to answer when it comes to that question. But the one thing that is for certain is they have to get down to 22 at one point or another in the name of cap space. And that's the most important thing. But I mean, if I had to guess, I think it's going to end up being Gautier just because of a lot of things. I, I, I don't know if they're ready to move on from Reeves just yet. He's a huge part of the locker room and a huge part of the team in general. So I just, I think if, if I had to put a name on it, I think it's going to be Gautier. Whether or not I think that's the right decision, I'm not sure. I mean, someone has to release Chesty, and usually it's Reeves. Yeah, so, I mean, it just it, has it'd be, to happen. It, it, it'd be tough to let him go at that point. <laughs> also, side note, Molly, you did an awesome piece on Gautier. Totally recommend oh, everyone you. checking it out. Um, it really does show why it is a tough decision at that point because someone like him who's fighting for his time, you know, there's a reason why, like you said, once he's, he, he gets going and he's good, He's going to be very, very valuable to this club. So definitely recommend checking that out if anyone hasn't yet. Uh, another question from Robert Torito and uh, Paul Carp: Is Jimmy VZ in the top five sustainable or are we in reality a top six forward short if we want to keep the kid line intact? This plug and play each game is fine for now, but as we get closer to the playoffs, the line as best as possible needs to be set. Jimmy VZ is, is sitting as one of your most consistent top six forwards, the Rangers have a problem. Um, Obviously, he was brought on to fill a bottom six role, but he has played pretty well and well enough to earn that spot in the top six. I think so. Sustainable? No. I definitely don't think that Jimmy VC is the long-term answer to a top six spot. I think that the Rangers, I mean, we said this about Barkley Goudreau all the time, the Rangers are at their best when Barkley Goodrow is on the fourth line. I think the same thing for Jimmy VC. I think the Rangers are at their best if Jimmy VC is filling a bottom six role, whether it's the third or fourth line, it doesn't really matter. Jimmy VC has been really good for them. He has leapfrogged Ryan Carpenter on the PK rotation. Um, and that is something he told me he takes a lot of pride in. It's something he took a lot of pride in last season in Jersey. I think that for right now, it's okay, but I'm, I'm in agreement with uh, the people who wrote this, this question that it is not a sustainable long-term answer. But for right now, it's okay, and and it is credit to Jimmy VC for for what he's done for the Rangers so far. All right, let's do one more here before we get to Larry from Matthew Dohan. How are Matt Robertson and Will Cooley progressing at Hartford, and what are their chances of being recalled in the event of the inevitable injuries to come? Will Cooley has been Hartford's best player, from from what I understand, um, which is a good thing. 
Matt Robertson has also done good. I wasn't impressed with Robertson during training camp, and I know that the Rangers weren't impressed with him during training camp, considering how quickly they sent him down <laughs> during training camp. So I think that that is something that's in the back of everybody's mind. I think Cooley would probably be, be the one that would come up sooner rather than later amid a lot of injuries. But I think that they are comfortable with the 23 that they have now. I think that if it is Gautier that goes back down, he'll be the one that comes right back up. Just because I feel like the Rangers, you know, are are not in the business of rushing their prospects anymore. I think that that, you know, that has been a lesson learned several times over. Um, so there is nothing wrong with letting Will Cooley marinate in the American Hockey League for, for longer than maybe fans would like. <laughs> um, but I think that another question that somebody asks is why Libor Hayek over Zach Jones? And and that hasn't always been the case. You know, they've kind of been trading off here. You know, Zach Jones has a tough game. Libor Hayek comes in. Libor Hayek has, a, has an okay game. Zach Jones comes in. And I think that's also a testament to the Rangers just wanting to be fair to both players, especially where Libor Hayek's concerned. Gerard Gallant said it himself. What happened last season with Libor is not going to happen this season again. And I get the impression that they do want to give Libor a chance to just kind of showcase himself a little bit, get back into the game a little bit, which he really wasn't able to do last season when he played a career low amount of games between the NHL and the AHL, which is just wildly unfair. But so for those reasons, I think that they're comfortable with their decor at the moment. But I also just don't think Robertson has done enough to warrant a recall at this moment in time Cooley on the other hand maybe sometime down the road and and he's been doing really really well for them in Hartford it's all about playing time with the Rangers mm-hmm. right now and trying to find the right piece that fit in well we got plenty more questions coming up next it's the post hockey hall of famer Larry Brooks stay right here on up in the blue seats I mean I like Carpe as a player he done a good job and like I said I always say you can only play 20 and we uh, last game Weaver was in there and we switched it up today and I'm not going to tell you the main reason why maybe somebody's hurt maybe somebody's not feeling good so but Carpe deserves to play Carpe's an NHL player and uh, he does a good job for us he kills penalties he does all the right things and now it's time to welcome in Hockey Hall of Famer Larry Brooks. So the Rangers have been struggling to find some consistency on this uh, early part of the season here. What have you noticed so far about them, especially with the road trip coming up? Does it feel like at least a trip to the West Coast, they'll be able to at least settle in a little bit and try to find something along the lines of, uh, you know, consistent? I don't know that there's a magic elixir coming up on this trip. Uh, I would behoove them to, to to try and find some consistency, I think, in their game. They're still looking for combinations up front. You know, they, they're, um, I mean, the, the, the one combination we know that works is Kreider and Zibanejad. Uh, we kind of think that the kid line works, but, you know, the second line hasn't, the Trocek-Panarin combination, you know, hasn't really reached fruition at this point. There's still issues with their right side on the top two lines. Um, Jimmy Vesey's doing a good job filling in, but... He he was signed to be a a bottom six, fourth line player, essentially. And he talked about how he had made the uh, adjustment mentally to becoming a fourth line player. And now he's now he's a top line player. So ideally, you don't really want Jimmy Vesey to be in your top six. Um, You don't want Barkley Goodrow to be in your top six because that weakens either the third or fourth line, however they're set up. So I think they have they have a lot to settle. That doesn't mean that they can't win while they're attempting to settle this. 
Um, and listen, their key is exactly what it was last year. It's getting superior goaltending from Shesterkin. He played extremely well on uh, Sunday night against Arizona. Um, that's that's the most important um, issue for the Rangers right now, as I see it. There are a couple of others. They're giving up too much. The True and Miller pair um, is bleeding goals. But honestly, if 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 they get Shesterkin back to a semblance of where he was last year, they'll be fine. If though they're facing, you know, if if they're getting kind of average goaltending most nights, then they're going to struggle the way most teams are going to struggle, you know. And they have to get their power play working. It's you know their their signature Igor Shesterkin in their power play. That's their signature. And so far, they've both been average on both fronts. So that's kind of why the Rangers have been average. Lots of moving parts, Larry. I completely agree. Um, we got a bunch of subtext questions today, so I'm just going to dive right into those for you. We have one from Brett Lustig and Matt Labriola. What is Ryan Reeves' role going to be? He has been scratched four of the fa- past five games. I understand the need for skill over toughness, toughness, but do you think at least one player on the ice protecting your stars opposing players are a lot less likely to take liberties at the likes of bread, Adam Fox, Mika Zibanejad with Reeves on the ice, uh, rather than if he's in the press box, he also gives the team energy. I think he is valuable and should be playing more. Gauthier has skill, but can't put the puck in the net. And besides one goal from Ryan Carpenter has been useless. So Ryan Reeves should be getting more than he is your thoughts, Larry. My thoughts, my thoughts are that if Ryan Reeves had a little better foot speed, he'd be in the lineup every night. But he is struggling to keep up. And I talked to him on Tuesday before the Rangers left, and I wrote about this situation for um, Wednesday's paper, Wednesday's post, and was online uh, Tuesday afternoon. And he talked about how he knew that he needed work to try and regain his speed. And that, that's the issue now with, with Ryan Reeves is can he keep up? Uh, it's it's extremely difficult for any older player when you get into your 30s and he's 35 now. It's extremely difficult for a guy of that age to play seven or eight minutes a night. It you know it, it is a challenge to to be able to play well with with those few minutes and those few reps. So that that's another that's another challenge for him. I don't believe. Well, first, you know, the question about does it prevent liberties being taken against, you know, Panarin, Zibanejad, whomever. Ryan Reeves is never on the ice with those guys. So there's not a direct correlation. He played in Nashville the other night. I, you know, I thought he was fine in Nashville, actually. Um, but that didn't stop, you know, Ryan Lindgren, from, you know, Ryan Lindgren from being jumped and getting into this fight where he was bloodied. Um, you know, and he's not really a deterrent. And that that's not singling him out. I don't think there there is such a thing as a deterrent in the National Hockey League. I, I listen. Um, you know, the Bruins have always been one of the toughest teams in the league. They you know for years and years, and they stand up for one another. But a couple of years ago, that didn't stop Tom Wilson from concussing Brandon Carlo. Right. So I, I don't think you can be a deterrent. What I what I do believe though is having someone like Reeves does embolden players a little bit more, does does give them a, you know, a sense of they have a little bit more room on the ice and they're a little bit braver. But looking at where the Rangers are, looking at their cap situation, they have got to get down to 22 players. They have just got to get down to 22 players. 
or they're simply not going to have any space with which to to make deals at the deadline. Forget about Patrick Kane. They won't be able to get a fourth line player. It is imperative for them to get down to 22. Now, I had thought that Ryan Carpenter made made a lot of sense. I, I don't think he's been terribly effective in his role as a fourth line center. However, um, with Kravtsov so fragile, I mean, you just don't know. And and you know, I don't I don't mean to be you know beating on 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 this 23 year old young person, but you just don't know if he's going to be available from game to game. He's he's missed 10 games so far with a number of different issues. But when so if Kravtsov's not in and the coaches believe that Goodrow is the best guy to fill his hole in the top six, then that leaves the center spot on the fourth line open, which is Ryan Carpenter's spot. So, you know, so the, the jigsaw puzzle right now, uh, you know, I don't think creates a scenario under which Ryan Carpenter is going to be the guy to go. I think it will be, and, and you know, unless they just try and ride this out for a, for a while more, I, I I wouldn't expect them to make a move on this trip. Um, I would think one would be coming after they come home, but you know, un, unless they want to ride it out um, and and just be in a terrible cap situation, it would seem to me that it would be Reeves or Gauthier. Um, Gauthier's playing, you know, he's done well and he still has some upside, but if he's never going to be a top nine player. Then you have to think of, well, what's Gautier's value as a fourth liner as opposed to Reeves as a fourth liner? But again, if 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 they don't think Reeves can play back to back, if they don't think he can get more than seven or eight minutes a game, you know, it's it's an issue they're going to have to confront. I, I think Reeves now is a candidate, but I'm not suggesting that, um, you know, he will be the guy. Um, you know, it's, it's going to be a tough call for them. But I, the one thing I do know is that I have to get down to 22. This next question is something that you and I have talked a lot about, Larry, Ice Time, and you've written quite a lot about it too. Um, from Jeff Corsello, um, I imagine this is what a lot of fans are thinking. Why should Gerard Gallant care if, quote unquote, as soon as I sit them down a little bit, then they're looking at me because they want to get on the ice. He is the coach. He's supposed to lead the team and control their ice time for their own good. How is power play two ever going to become effective if Gallant allows power play one to stay on for two minutes because he doesn't like giving them (laughs) he doesn't like them giving him the side eye? I, I doubt that the coach wanted to be taken literally at, at yesterday. I think he was, I think, I think you, you know him, you know, he, he doesn't give a lot of fodder. He really, you know, he, he doesn't, he doesn't, you know, throw too much stuff out there. I think he was just looking for a way to get out of the question at that point. Cause I, I, I think I was impressed him, you know, a little bit on it. And, uh, so no, uh, <laughs> his point was that the players want to play. <laughs> right. his, his point was the players want to play, and everyone wants to play. And, you know, all the top players want to play. Where where I have the issue is is on the power play. If they're not getting it done in in the first fifty seconds, they've got to get off. Honestly, um, now there are those there are those power plays where they just maintain control for a minute thirty, and you know you're not you're not going to change when you have possession in the offensive zone. But I think that if they don't get it going 45, 50 seconds and there's a clear, they should never they should not stay on for that second minute. And I think as, as the coach, that's Gallant's responsibility or, or uh, the, the, the assistant coach who's handling the power play, if, if you know, if, if that's the way it's run. But, you know, and I mentioned this, I, I don't think this is the same as as. Two years ago, when I wrote about the first power play just being entitled, I had never seen anything like it. They just refused 
to come off the ice. It's it's not to that extent, but um, they stay on too long. They, they do, and um, you know it would be one thing if they were if they were hitting at thirty five percent, but they're not. They're they're basically you know league average. They're fifteenth in the league or so. Them staying on for a minute twenty, minute thirty is is not helping. And I you know it's funny. I I, I didn't finish it, but I remember last year looking at the amount of time it took on the power play for the Rangers to score. Because I wanted to check to see how many goals did they score after the minute 10 mark, minute 20 mark. And I think I may have finished it. I don't remember the number, but it was a minuscule number, honestly. So if they're not scoring in the first minute 10, chances are they're not scoring. You know, they're not scoring a minute 40 into the power play. A forward on the second power play unit has not scored since David Quinn was the coach. (laughs) I mean, it's crazy. And it's crazy. I, I don't know if it's, you know, I, I mean, but then you look and see even when they get, say, 45 seconds of ice time, the second unit. Well, most of the time, the first 10 to 12 seconds of that is them going back to pick up the puck behind the net, setting up, coming up ice, getting an entry. So they don't get set up maybe until there are 30 seconds left in the power play or 28 seconds left in the power play. Then they're frantic rushing around and and you and you can understand why why no one on that second power play unit has 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 a goal this year and why no forward ever scores i agree with the with the uh question you know the person who posed the question i agree the second power play is never going to never going to create any kind of a rhythm it's never going to be productive if they're getting you know 30 seconds a power play that that's that really needs to change yeah and that also comes down to the development of Alexi Lafreniere and Capo Caco, I feel like those are two guys that not only do they want them to be staples in the top six, but eventually power play guys. So well, he, well, Heedle too. Heedle gets even less ice time a lot of times because Trocheck and Zabanajay eat up so much. You know, their first two centers they eat up so much time. You know, both at, at five on five and on the first power play unit that Philip Heedle, who you know who who you know who scores at a greater rate than anybody on the team, um, has the best goals for a percentage of anybody on the team just doesn't get enough ice time. So yes, I, 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 I do think the imbalance of ice is, is not particularly healthy. Now, does it mean automatically that these guys are going to run down? No, but it means that other guys are not getting enough ice time. Gallant did acknowledge that yesterday. He said, yeah, I know I want to get other guys ice time too. So I, I, yeah, I do. I think that's an issue going forward. I kind of just had this thought, and I've thought about it before. We've obviously talked about that the Artemi Panarin and Vincent Trocek duo isn't coming along as quickly as the team probably would like. What do you think the odds are that maybe Philip Heedle could step up into the middle spot next to Artemi Panarin at some point? Not sure. We're just split Heedle with um, Trocek. I don't know. And have Trocek play, and have Trocek play with um, Kako and uh, Lafreniere? Maybe. Why not? Because yeah. that kind of solves a little bit Maybe. of both, gives them more ice time, gets them next to a super dynamic winger, which we know Philip Heedle hasn't really had that much time next to right. that kind of caliber wingers. Why not see what he can do? Yeah, I, you know, why not? I mean, Philip likes to handle the puck, though. You know, he generally likes to have the puck, which, you know, he, he wouldn't have um, as often. He, I think he played with him a bit last year when Strom was injured early in the year, or, or was it injured or, or COVID, which was COVID early in the year. I think I think Philip played up with Panarin a bit. I don't think they played together a lot. It's it's something to consider. 
Yeah, for sure. It's something to consider. But I also think that if if you're going to consider breaking up the kids, then you have to, again, rethink about, well, maybe Kako should be playing up with Kreider and Zabanajad, or maybe maybe uh, Lafreniere should be playing up there, or does Lafreniere need to stay on the left? There, there are, I mean, to use your words, a lot of moving, still a lot of moving pieces here. I don't, I don't think much is settled, except that you're going to have Fox and Lindgren playing together. You're going to have Truba and Miller playing together. You're going to have Zabanajad and Kreider playing together. I think, you know, I think that's set, but I don't think really anything else is set going forward. We got this last one from John Antista from last year. So far, the Rangers are shooting a lot more. The concern I have is that too many times no one is screening the goalie. And as you know, if the goalie can see it, most likely he will stop it. They need to get dirty goals from in close. Screening the goalie produces rebounds. Also, my opinion is Sammy Blay is still not right and not playing his game. I agree with the dirty goal assessment. I think they need some some dirty goals to to open things up for them offensively. What do you think? Yeah, I'd, I'd like to see it. <laughs> I, I think Sam, Sammy Blay is not – I don't think he's 100%. He's not playing his game. I, I think it's. I think the last couple of games that you, you can see him playing more to his game and even – was it the last game? I think it was, right? Where they had him, they were gone, had him up on the second power play unit, right? Yes. For a bit. So yep. I think they're seeing a little bit more out of him. I think he's feeling a little bit more comfortable, um, feeling a little healthier, maybe more confident with the knee. The dirty goals, everybody wants dirty goals, but they're, you know, that, that's that's really not their team. You're not going to see Artemi Panarin scoring many dirty goals. You're just not. You know, I think Mika will go to the, you know, will go to those areas, but he's a shooter. You know, he's, you know, he's not getting many from around the net. Jimmy Vesey, yeah, he'll get some around the net. Um, Trocheck, yes, I think he will. I don't, I don't think Trocheck has has found his game yet. I don't, I don't think he's found his comfort level here. Trying to fit into a new team, trying to fit in with Panarin. I think he's playing okay. He's, he's, you know, eating up a lot of minutes. Playing, He always plays hard. I mean, he's always working. But I just don't think he is yet at the level where he was at Carolina. I think it's fair to expect more from him. And, and I think it's fair to expect that more will come from him. Um, but he's a guy who can score, you know, the, the dirty goal. Kako can. You'd like to see Lafreniere. And I, I'd like to see Lafreniere in those dirty areas a lot more than he has been this year. I think Lafreniere the last few weeks has been pretty average, actually, to tell you the truth. So I think they need more from him. I, you know, I, I think they need their players to be playing, you know, better. It's not just go out and score dirty goals. I think everybody wants that. But I, I think they just, their guys who are straight line guys need to get to the net. You know, Goodrow for his you know timeline, I should, should be around the net. And he, and he is, he's a guy who's going to score from around the net. So um, sometimes, you know, sometimes heavy volume shot teams, you know, you know, maybe the Rangers shouldn't be a heavy volume shot team. You know, what I what I find interesting was last year when the analytics cast such a negative light on the team. People were saying, well, forget about the analytics, forget about the analytics. Who cares about the analytics? We're winning. Now that the analytics, you know, show that you know the analytics are outperforming the actual team. People saying, "Yeah, yeah," but the analytics, but the analytics. So you know, if they didn't matter last year, they shouldn't matter this year. And and that's kind of where I come down. I don't think that because the expected goals for on public data is real good. 
I don't think that means that the Rangers suddenly are going to break out into becoming this high scoring team. You know, maybe, you know, maybe they're a team that needs to be more selective on their shots um, because of this heavy volume shooting team that they've turned into. And, and certainly on the power play where they're at the top of the league in attempted shots and they're at the top of the league, you know, top two or three in shots on goal hasn't translated at all, you know, because they're, 14, 15 in the league and, and power play efficiency. So um, I'm not sure that just pounding shots on net uh, necessarily suits this team's style. The great Larry Brooks bringing it as he always does in the podcast. Larry, have a good one. Uh, thanks a lot, guys. Yeah, I mean, he's the he's the backbone of the team here. And, uh, you know, obviously we're, we're lucky to have him. And that wraps up episode 102 of Up in the Blue Seats, our Rangers podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Jake Brown for producing the show. You can catch up on all episodes of the podcast by subscribing to Up in the Blue Seats on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe to New York Post Sports on YouTube to watch full episodes. You can also follow us on Twitter at Molly Walker. That's two E's and two R's. And me, Andrew Hartz. For Molly Walker and Larry Brooks, I'm Andrew Hartz. We're off next week for Thanksgiving, so we will chat with you all next time on Thursday, December first we are thankful for all of you for listening and supporting the up in the blue seats podcast have a happy thanksgiving everybody let's go rangers